Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Well, we were hopeful, but not optimistic. Although one has to admit that the disappointment with the passage of a pro-abortion ballot initiative in Ohio that changes the state's constitution regarding abortion is still profoundly disappointing. But what does it mean for Ohioans and what does it mean for the pro-life movement? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Dr. Michael New joins us. He's visiting assistant professor of social research and political science at the Catholic University of America, senior associate scholar for the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Paige Comstock Cunningham fellow with Americans United for Life and author of a recent column for National Review Online titled Pro-Life Optimism After Ohio. Dr. New, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. What does the passage of Ohio's Issue 1 mean? Sure. What Ohio's Issue 1 did was it places legal abortion in the state constitution. And that's going to make abortion policy in Ohio much more permissive. I think there's reason to believe that abortions will be legal in Ohio throughout all nine months of pregnancy. Ohio's pro-life parental involvement law is likely jeopardized by this. The waiting period is likely jeopardized. And there's also a chance that Ohio's Medicaid program may be forced to cover elective abortions. So that means Ohio taxpayers may have to start paying for abortions uh, with their taxpayer dollars. So this is a disappointment and a setback. Again, it makes abortion policy in Ohio much more permissive. Why did issue one pass? Basically, ballot propositions are challenging for pro-lifers. There's a lot of research that does show that the amount of money spent has a very big impact on who wins. And in this case, like in many others, we were outspent. Supporters of legal abortion spent and raised about $35 million. Uh, a lot of that money came from out of state. Sadly, abortion is a multi-million dollar industry in this country. Uh, there's lots of wealthy people who support legal abortion. And uh, the money that came in, I think, was just simply too much for pro-lifers to overcome. This is the seventh straight pro-abortion ballot proposition to pass in the states. How should we understand that? Yeah, I mean, direct democracy does pose challenges for pro-lifers. I'm not going to you know, try to sugarcoat that. As I said before, you know, money plays a, a big impact on who wins. And I would argue in nearly each of these seven elections, pro-lifers were outspent. I think we have to you know, look at what's happened. You know, we can study the results. We can try some different messaging. I think that we've overcome other obstacles in the past. You know, we used to have trouble getting judges to uphold pro-life laws. We got better at that. You know, we used to have some trouble getting uh, Republicans to nominate good pro-life candidates. We overcame that. So, you know, we've overcome a lot of obstacles in our past. I think we'll overcome this one. I think one analogy I would make is that supporters of same-sex marriage were very dedicated. I don't agree with them politically, but in a way, I do admire their persistence. They lost the ballot box 32 straight times before they prevailed. So I think there's some lessons there for us, that they were very persistent, they kept putting questions on the ballot, and over time, they did change policy in a way that they liked. Again, I don't agree with the outcome, but I do admire their persistence. I think pro-lifers should show similar persistence in the future. What does the landscape of pro-life laws look like post-Dobbs right now? 
You know, I think that there's reasons for optimism. Right now, there's 14 states that are protecting you know, pre-born children in pretty much all cases. There's two other states that are protecting pre-born children after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. And I think that these laws are going to be pretty durable. I would say there's 16 states right now that have very strong pro-life laws in effect. And nine of those states don't really have direct democracy. So I think that you know, you're not going to see those laws struck down through direct democratic means. In the seven or so other states, most of these states are states where Joe Biden got like less than 36% of the popular vote. These are very conservative states. So it's really not clear that a ballot proposition to legalize abortion would fare well in these states. So the remaining states, again, as I put it, either don't have direct democracy or either very conservative states where I think pro-lifers could do better at the ballot box. Again, we have to be vigilant. We have to be diligent. But I think that there's reasons for optimism moving forward. Are there other states that are preparing to pass measures similar to Ohio's? We don't know exactly uh, what the other side is going to do. There is, I think, a lot of speculation in Missouri. There is some wording about different ballot propositions there. I mean, pro-lifers are aware of this. They're preparing. I've heard there may be efforts in places like Arizona, in places like Florida, to uh, put legal abortion in those state constitutions. So certainly, you know, pro-lifers have our work cut out for us. We uh, certainly need to look at what happened in Ohio try out some different strategies. But again, you know, we need to be persistent. I think we're in this for the long haul. And yesterday was a setback, but we just need to move forward with kind of confidence, optimism, and vigor. Some pro-lifers are saying that for the time being, at least, abortion is a political loser for the movement. How do you respond to that? Well, I don't think that's the case. I don't think you can just look at these direct democratic elections and draw a lot of inferences. One thing I'll say is that in 2022, a lot of Republican governors who were very pro-life and signed strong pro-life bills did very well. Mike DeWine, governor of Ohio, he signed a heartbeat bill. He won in a competitive state with over 62 percent of the vote. Ron DeSantis uh, won re-election comfortably. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas won re-election comfortably. So again, you have a number of examples, I'd say including the governor of Georgia, uh, won comfortably. Again, a number of examples of governors who are Republican, signed strong pro-life laws into place, were elected uh, by large margins. So again, I think that good pro-life candidates can still win. They can win in competitive states. I don't believe this is the albatross that some people are making it out to be. What should pro-life voters remember when we encounter a setback like this? I think it's always important to just think long-term. If you look at back in the 1970s, we couldn't even get the Supreme Court to uphold things like parental involvement laws. On more than one occasion, the Supreme Court struck down something as simple as a pro-life parental involvement law. At the Supreme Court, we barely won on the Hyde Amendment in 1980. You know, again, a law that basically said that you know, the federal government you know, couldn't, didn't have to fund abortion through the Medicaid program. Uh, that was upheld by a single vote. So essentially, uh, we've done well changing the composition of the Supreme Court. We've done a better job getting Republicans to nominate you know, pro-life candidates. We've done a better job getting Republicans in how the House and the Senate and local offices to prioritize pro-life issues. We succeeded in getting the abortion rate down more than 50% since 1980. You know, I think that's very important. I mean, if the abortion rate today was what it was back in 1980, there'd be a million more abortions taking place every year. So every year, pro-lifers save thousands of, I'd say millions of unborn children and spare thousands of women you know, a lifetime of regret. So long-term, you know, we have made quite a lot of progress. You know, we never promised a smooth glide path to victory. There's going to be setbacks, disappointments, aggravations. But long-term, you know, we've made progress, and I think that progress will continue. Dr. Michael New is visiting Assistant Professor of Social Research and Political Science at the Catholic University of America. He's Senior Associate Scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. 
Page Comstock Cunningham Fellow with Americans United for Life and author of a recent column for National Review Online titled Pro-Life Optimism After Ohio. You can read this column at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. New, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Folks, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry speaks up for life, cares for people in body and soul, and teaches about the sanctity of human life. Learn more about their work at lcms.org slash life. Advocating, educating, and caring for all human life, LCMS Life Ministry, lcms.org slash life. When we return, Dr. Jesse Yao joins us for part two of our series, The Scientific Vocation. We'll talk about geoengineering. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the Master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, Freedom, Vocation, Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu.